This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. I think somebody forgot to tell President Biden what the executive branch is supposed to be doing. And it's not just sitting there all day with a pen, signing executive order after executive order after executive order. I don't even understand this from the standpoint of power. And the reason I say that is because under the Trump administration, you had a split Congress. You had House under the control of the Democrats and you had the Senate in control of the Republicans were in control in the Senate. And so you had a split Congress. So, of course, you're going to have a little bit more difficulty getting through some of the legislation that the president might want to put through. Understood, although I continue to go back to the basic American idea that it is Congress who should make the laws and we should not have one person sitting around dictating from on high what everything is going to be in the United States. And this is just Obama on steroids. Remember how many these of these particular executive orders we got frustrated with when President Obama was issuing them right and left. He's a he is just an amateur compared to Joe Biden so far. Let's see. This week directed the Department of Justice not to renew contracts with private prisons. He ordered HUD to fully implement the Fair Housing Act requirements. Well, that's way one way to put it. We're going to tell you more about that one. He pushed federal agencies to engage more regularly and meaningfully with tribal governments meaningful tribal government interaction. That's a top priority. Directed Health and Human Services, as well as the COVID-19 Health Equity Task Force to examine best practices to better protect Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders as part of relief efforts. So there you have it. And then you also have all of this action now yesterday on climate change. President Biden signing a series of sweeping executive orders on climate. This is from the leftist Mother Jones. In his effort to create clean energy jobs, promote environmental justice, whatever that is, and reintroduce pressing climate change concerns into America's foreign policy. There are no pressing climate change concerns. It's a gigantic Marxist scheme. We all know this. It's a redistribution of wealth plot. Among the order's most substantive bits are a pause in new oil and gas leasing on federal lands and a proposed doubling of offshore wind production by 2030. I'm sure this will go just as well as Solyndra. Just as well. It's interesting, Andrew Sullivan, who hardly qualifies as a conservative, he's he's not, wrote an interesting piece on Biden's culture war aggression, saying he may have needlessly crippled his chances for lowering the temperature already. He says, for example, Joe Biden has shown this week that his other ambitions beyond the unity calls in his inaugural address are much more radical. He's to the left of Obama on immigration. He signaled a very sharp departure from liberal in his approach to civil rights. He says the vast majority of Americans support laws that protect minorities from discrimination so that every American can have equality of opportunity without their own talents being held back by prejudice. But Biden's speech and executive orders come from a very different place. They explicitly replace the idea of equality in favor of what anti-liberal critical theorists 
call equity. They junk equality of opportunity in favor of equality of outcomes. And most people won't notice that this new concept has been introduced. Equity, equality, it sounds kind of similar, but they will soon find out the difference. Now, I want to play for you a little bit of the audio that's come out because Judy Woodruff over on PBS did an interview with uh, Susan Rice. She's back. I wonder if she still thinks that Benghazi occurred because of a movie no one saw. Someone should ask her about that, but Judy didn't. However, I want to start out with what President Biden had to say about this particular executive order concerning Asian Americans. Listen to cut one. Today, I'm directing federal agencies to combat resurgence of xenophobia, particularly against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders that we've seen skyrocket during this pandemic. This is unacceptable and it's un-American. I've asked the Department of Justice to strengthen its partnership with the Asian American and Pacific Islander community to prevent those hate crimes. Okay, many people who listened to this said, what? What outbreak of horrors have occurred against Pacific Islanders and Asian Americans? And some cynics among us said, okay, did China tell you to say this? But it was the case, according to CBS News, that 2,000, over 2,000 hate incidents against Asian Americans had been reported as of July 2nd. But when you look at what they actually consist of, they involve physical attacks. There were some physical attacks, but verbal assaults, workplace discrimination, and online harassment. Now, let, let me just put this in context. As a Christian... Have you ever experienced any online harassment just for being a Christian? Have you ever experienced any online harassment for being a conservative? Have you ever experienced any name calling because of any situation in your life that somebody didn't like? I mean, what I'm trying to say here is how in the world can you tell that any of these incidents, aside from the physical attacks, which are clearly out of control and nobody should be verbally assaulting anybody anyway. But how does that compare to any other group that is being harassed? And I thought of Christians right away. And I thought of all the harassment that goes on online. What about big tech giants that silence Christians and conservatives all the time and pull them off Facebook because they won't talk about marriage being possible between two men? You know, it's all in the eye of the beholder. And I guess this is where the equity thing is taking us. So let's go over to this PBS interview. This is between Judy Woodruff, as I mentioned before, and Susan Rice, who's now the White House domestic policy advisor. And she was asked about these particular executive orders addressing equity in America. And she asked Susan Rice, how is this different from what Presidents Obama and Clinton did before? This is her answer cut to. I served in the Clinton administration, the Obama administration, and now the Biden administration. And I can tell you that while each of the previous administrations that were Democratic worked to advance uh, racial equity and justice, what we have seen in the last uh, week and the first week of the Biden presidency is something quite different and unprecedented. President Biden, on his first day in office, uh, implemented an executive order that will embed racial justice and equity in everything the federal government does, from how it collects data, to how it allocates resources, to how it assesses where we currently stand on matters of civil rights uh, and, uh, and, and racial equity. And it will hold each agency accountable for its results. We've never done that before. Uh, and today, beyond his whole of government interagency commitment 
to ensuring that we put justice and equity front and center for everything. He rolled out a number of additional executive actions uh, that will be beneficial for a wide range of Americans, combating xenophobia, for example, against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders who faced so much vitriol and uh, animosity and even hate crimes resulting from uh, previous leaders' attempts to target them in the context of COVID. Okay, again, nobody likes physical attacks. Nobody wants anybody to be attacked. But this equity thing is ridiculous. Do you remember when Kamala Harris put out that ridiculous video on Twitter and she got slammed for doing it? I was glad to see that. It was all about equity and equality and how we need equity. And at the time, when I liked her better, Liz Cheney pointed out that it sounded just like Karl Marx. A century of history has shown where the path leads. We all embrace equal opportunity, but government enforced equality of outcomes is Marxism. Here's the point. When you look at the old Soviet system, in some regards, you could say that they achieved equality of outcome. They made everybody poor. Is that what you want? Because that's where it's headed. If you begin to take away from people who you believe had privilege and begin to give to other people whom you believe do not have the same privilege because you want everybody to be equal. First of all, that's a pie in the sky utopian dream. It's never going to happen. The best you could ever do is make everybody poor. And how do you think the people at the top of the food chain will fare in that scheme? Do you think they're willing to be poor with you? Joe Biden, you think Lunch Bucket Joe is willing to be poor with you? I don't know. Let's talk about Hunter and the amount of money Hunter's been able to amass just by being his son. Oh, wait a minute. We're not allowed to talk about that. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. What did you pray for today? Good health, safety, maybe to meet a goal? Those are good things to pray for. But pastors and evangelists in the Middle East aren't praying for material blessings or for an end to the persecution or difficulties they face. Rather, they're praying for copies of God's Word so that believers will be spiritually nourished and strengthened to live out their faith in this challenging part of the world. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like the Middle East, Asia, Africa, and and Latin America live each day without their very own Bible. But you can send one today. Give one Bible for only $5, 20 Bibles for $100, or 200 Bibles for $1,000. Whatever you'd like to give, you can become a Bible sender by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-W-O-R-D. 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. The healthcare open enrollment period has ended in most states. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a healthcare program. Sign up for Liberty HealthShare. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up now with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month. And there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not an 
insurance, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT or 855-585-4237. This is Janet Mefford today. And now here's your host, Janet Mefford. We love the United States of America for many, many reasons. But one of the reasons that we have always loved our country so much is because of the opportunity that this country affords for somebody who starts out with nothing to be able to work hard and make it here. Such is not the case in most countries around the world. And that's why we have so many people wanting to come to the United States. And it's why ancestors of all of us listening right now came here. All of us came here at some point. Our ancestors came here at some point. So this is important. And now that you have this far left administration in the White House, not focused on equality, but focused on equity, trying to take identity politics and try to trying to take all of these individual groups and somehow make everybody on the same level playing field by using government money and passing executive orders and so forth. It's a ridiculous waste of time. But more than that, it's just not going to work and it's going to cause more havoc and more trouble. And it, do these, any of these people want what is best for America at any turn? I, I would say no. I would say no. I'm going back to Andrew Sullivan's piece who talked about the culture war aggression of Joe Biden. Hardly, as I said before, hardly a conservative. He asks this question because he says that to achieve equity, you first have to take away equality for individuals who are born in the wrong identity group. So equity means treating individuals unequally so that groups are equal. Well, you're not a group. You're a human being, an individual. We have individual rights in the United States because that's what God grants to us. He asks, how do we know when equity has been achieved? That's a very good question. It seems to me that the only definition of equity that works is that all groups are represented in federal policies in proportion to their share of the population or more so, since equity can also require over-representation of these groups to make up for the past. Does this sound exhausting? The fact that an individual born, say, in the early 21st century has no personal or moral connection to slavery or segregation is irrelevant. She must pay for the past sins of her race. Biden is therefore enforcing the Ibram X. Kendi view that the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. And he's enforcing it across the entire federal government and any institution the federal government funds. To show he's serious, he's appointed Susan Rice to enforce equity in a whole of government approach. America is no longer about individual freedom. It's about identity group power and its constant management by government. And let me tell you, let's not forget to stress the fact that there will be haves and have nots. It's just they're changing it up. And it wasn't that way in the first place. When we talk about equality of opportunity, we have equality of opportunity. Look at our laws for heaven's sake, but they don't want to. Let's go back to this interview between Judy Woodruff on PBS with Susan Rice. She actually asks her about Andrew Sullivan's point. Listen to cut four. 
What do you say uh, to some conservatives like uh, the columnist Andrew Sullivan, and I'm quoting from him, he's accusing the president uh, in one of the things he wrote, of culture war aggression. And he went on to say the president's focus on equity, he said, would give named identity groups a specific advantage in treatment by the federal government over other groups. What I would say to that is that is a, a false characterization of what is going on. We are not giving anybody an advantage. We're giving everybody an equal level playing field. Or that's what we aim to do. Because the history in this country is there has not been a level playing field for many Americans, not just of black and brown Americans and, and people of color, but people in rural areas who've been left behind, people in urban and suburban areas, disabled Americans, religious minorities, LGBTQ Americans. And the reality is it is holding us all back. So rather than look at this through a divisive prism of zero sum, if it's good for them, it has to be bad for me, that's not the American way and that's not how we all grow and prosper. We have to recognize that we're in this boat together. We sink or swim together. And when we have a leak in the boat and people are, are at risk, it puts all of us at risk. So it's not about advantaging one group over another. It's making sure that we all begin at the same place and have the chance to fulfill our God-given potential. That's not true. That's not true. That's a bunch of gobbledygook. That's not true. People can see through this. Even liberals are seeing through this. And she's just being deceptive. Of course, you are putting certain people above other people because you believe that certain people in the United States are at a disadvantage and it's because of white privilege. She's not using that phrase there, but that is their whole MO. That's what they're operating their entire ideology on. That's their premise that they're starting from. And so how in the world can she stand there and say that with a straight face? I don't know. How could she say that a movie no one saw was responsible for the deaths of four Americans in Benghazi? But she managed to do it, didn't she? What else did she say? Listen to this exchange. Cut five. I asked because uh, Andrew Sullivan went on to say you don't unite the country by dividing it along what he calls these deep and inflammatory issues of identity. Well, um, and as you know, there are Republicans saying the focus on equity uh, is, is, is pointing a finger at Republicans saying they are racist. Well, that is absolutely not the case. And as President Biden said today, he believes and, and most religions teach us that you know, we have to look out for one another and that we believe that most Democrats, Republicans and independents believe that you know, we are all human beings of equal dignity and equal worth and we have to respect that. But it's a bit rich, frankly, for Republicans to suggest that by trying to lift up everybody, we are dividing America when we just had four years of the most divisive, uh, vitriolic uh, presidency that, that one can imagine. Um, and that, that division was a political strategy. And thankfully, it hasn't worked uh, because it is not what the American people want. They want us to come together. They want us to value each other. They want us to find common ground. Yeah, yeah right. We want, we want common ground. Just do everything the progressives want and we'll be happy. Well, take our gruel, please, sir. May I have another? Because I don't want to have more than somebody else has. This is the wonderful Soviet Union. I mean, the United States of America. I mean, the Union of Socialist States of America. I don't want to go there, do you? And by the way, Susan Rice, most religions teach equal dignity and worth. In fact, do your homework. 
do your homework on the spiritual roots of the entire notion that all men are created equal. You might not like what you find out, but last time I checked, Hinduism didn't believe in equal dignity and worth. Why do you think Christianity and Christian missionaries were so successful over in India? Because you had the Dalits, you had the the people on the bottom rung of Hinduism who were believed to have been suffering because they did something terrible. It was their bad karma. And so they had to earn their way back in the next reincarnation. And so they didn't have any heart for any of the people who were poor and living in boxes in New Delhi. They didn't care. Oh, you're just being punished for bad things that you did. That's that's not believing in equal dignity and worth. So a little bit more knowledge might come in handy, but I don't really think that that's their forte. And, And might I mention... When she makes that obnoxious remark about the fact that we had so much division under the last administration caused by your side, caused by your side from day one, because you know what? President Trump didn't militarize Washington, D.C. and ban everybody on the left from attending his inauguration, did he? No, he did not. Instead, you had all these screaming leftists in the streets and you had rioters and people setting cars on fire and wanting to break in and disturb certain inaugural events. And it was off to the races for the left, making that man's life horrendous for four years and making things up to try to impeach him. And now they're on round two of trying to get him removed from office, which is a little hard to do when you're already gone. Don't talk about division. That was caused by your side and it was inflamed by your side. And when your side was out in the streets, looting and burning and rioting and killing people, you had nothing to say about it. But a few outliers at a Trump rally made up of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people do something wrong by breaching the Capitol and are arrested. And they should have been. Oh, it's Trump. It's all Trump. How long are people going to fall for this ridiculous narrative? When it is so obvious that they're just lying. They lie and they lie and they lie and they lie over and over and over again. You just become absolutely numb from it after a while. You you think to yourself, is there any morality? Is there anything in you at all that feels guilty? Were you not taught as a child that it is wrong to lie? that you don't deceive people, that you do the right thing. I go back to that all the time. Maybe it's just because I'm a mom, but I do that all the time. Maybe it's just showing my age, but I I look at some of this behavior that goes on and I think to myself, not only my first thought, which is, boy, these people need the Lord, which is always my first thought. But then I always think to myself, did you never have anybody in your life who taught you right and wrong? Did you not have a mom and or a dad or maybe both teaching you what you should do and what you should not do and you obey people in authority and you behave like a decent citizen and you don't commit crimes and you don't speak disrespectfully to people and you honor people, you know, and when you see the whole breakdown of everything, it's very hard to kind of keep your head straight and think, I'm not the one going crazy. I'm holding to the same worldview and the same morality that I've always held to as a Christian. And I know that it's true and I know that it's right. And it's not just right because I believe it. It's right because God told us what is right and wrong. And it's like the judges. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. I don't know. It's a little disconcerting. It causes a little bit of cognitive dissonance to take all of this in and think to yourself, what just happened here? But here we are. Here we are. We have to make sense of it. By the way, did you know 
Speaking of the Asian American Pacific Islander uh, xenophobic executive order, did you know that the community leaders in the Asian American community are really mad because there's nobody of Asian American descent among Biden's top cabinet picks? (laughs) So maybe if you're going to go after the other side for being xenophobic and they're accusing you of it, you might want to reevaluate a bit. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Does it seem more than a little odd that a president of the United States would disband a commission to promote the principles of America's founding and also delete the report of that same commission from the White House website as one of his first acts as a new president? President Biden recently did just that when he jettisoned the president's advisory 1776 commission set up, of course, by President Trump. That move was right in keeping with the American left's efforts not to celebrate America, but to unravel it in the name of progressivism and identity politics. Joining me now is one of the members of the now defunct 1776 commission. Their work will continue, though. Mike Gonzalez is senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation and author of the great book, The Plot to Change America, and writes about this over at The Daily Signal. So good to talk to you again, Mike. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Janet, it's uh, it's my pleasure. Though I don't consider ourselves defunct. Yes, we are going. We're, yes. we're pushing full steam ahead with this. Yes, that's why I threw that in there. It's now defunct, but their work will continue, and I'm glad it will. I mean, this was so long overdue. I know when President Trump made the announcement that the 1776 Commission was being established, and I think there were millions of Americans saying, "Why wasn't this done earlier?" Right, and and the fact that the left has begged so loudly about this, the fact that the, the journalists. The press, I mean, the press has been, uh, the last four years, really uh, completely able. But their reaction to this in new side stories have been shameful, really. And the fact that President Biden, in his first day, yeah. does this, and he includes it in, in an executive order, by the way, which is on, 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 uh, on equity, which the, the order itself is full of bad stuff, including disbanding this commission, so, yeah, no, the, 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 the attention they have given it, the priority they have given it shows that we, we touch a raw nerve here. Oh, yeah. Well, the whole purpose, I know, was to enable a rising generation to understand the history and principles of the founding of the United States in 1776 and to strive to form a more perfect union. And I thought it was interesting in your report how you noted that the division in our nation now is akin to the divide between King George and the colonists. I mean, that do you feel we're really at that kind of crisis point in this country? You know, I think where we are is the division between racists and, 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 and pro-slavery forces like Calhoun, John C. Calhoun, and Roger Tawney, and Stephen uh, Douglas, and people like Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. The people like Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass believed that the Constitution and the Declaration included everyone, included African Americans, 
in that the words, uh, you know, the, 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 we, we're all created equal, included everybody and were, were uh, uh, ideals to live by. The other three either believed that, the, the, that all men are created equal did not include African-Americans or believed that these were odious, it was an odious statement, a hateful statement, and, and that should never have been uttered. So, so I am with Douglas and Lincoln here, and this is, I think, where the division is. Right. Well, this is important, though, because we do, as you've written so brilliantly on identity politics, dividing the United States. It was interesting to see some of the leftist reaction to President Biden's decision about the 1776 commission, along with the release of the report. What is your reaction to some of these historians claiming that what you've put forward in the report wasn't accurate? I was reading through it and it jived with everything I ever learned in civics and in history. Unlike the stuff that I was written in the 1619 project, which was really uh, just made up stuff yep. uh, with no no evidence to show for it, or the stuff in Howard Zinn's The People's History of the United States, which still, by the way, is widely used by all our schools, first published in 1980, uh, our critics cannot point to any inaccuracies in our report. They can knit and pick and say that we uh, minimized uh, this, or that we, which we have absolutely did not minimize any of our faults. We pointed them out. They have to be examined. Every mistake that has been made has to be examined. What we called for is an accurate description of the United States, an accurate look at, at the United States, have young students be able to access the, 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 the primary documents the Declaration, the Constitution, the Federalist Papers, the Northwest Ordinance, all the letters that were written, all the speeches that were given, not just by the Founding Fathers, but by ministers, the press clippings of the time, and, and, and have a strong debate on these facts. These are historical facts. Mm-hmm. Historical facts are not partisan. They, 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 you know, as Aristotle said, that alone is forbidden to the God, to God. To, to undo what has already been done. History is history. You, you can you can reinterpret all you want, but you cannot make stuff up. Right. That's right. But I mean, now that was one of the things that you had mentioned is you were looking for historians to go back to primary sources and look at the context of how things came together at the time and do you know kind of a good faith debate. What do you do now? I mean, you're going to continue your work, but what now is the way forward with all of your plans for the commission's work and for the effects of the report in a way that will benefit all of all of America? Look, there's an appetite for this. You know, uh, this, 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 there are people on the Hill who want to get involved, uh, maybe uh, pass a bill. Uh, there are people across the country who, who, who need, you know, just information that, is not, that does not have a political agenda. Yeah. You know, stuff that, that is accurate. Uh, and there's a need for that. So watch this space, uh, Janet. This is going to continue. Good. I'm so glad. Do you find it a little strange that here was President Biden calling for unity, 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 being the path forward in his inaugural address, and yet the unity seems to be conformed to the left? I mean, how in the world can you call for American unity and then turn around and do to the 1776 Commission what he just did? I think the unity he seeks is the unity of the left. I mean, he's, he's got some really hard leftists in, in, in his party right now, which yeah. is something new in America. You know, we've never had the likes of Bernie Sanders or, or, or Raphael Warnock or, or AOC um, that are really tugging the, part, the party to the left. And there are some people still who say, hey, you know, this is not what America, where America is. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's not forget that, that the elections, uh, 
you know, resulted in a pretty divided Congress, uh, 50-50 in the Senate, and, 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 and Mrs. Pelosi ended up with a, a, a really uh, curtailed majority. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of this. There are some people in this party that are saying, we don't want socialism. And there are some people in this party who are very loud and very successful who say, oh, no, we do want socialism, but mm-hmm. we're going to dress it up in this way. We're going we're gonna to call for equity instead of equality. By the way, the, the executive order in, in which President Biden you know, revokes our commission it's, it's a commission on equity, right? Yes. It mentions the word equity 21 times. 21 <laughs> times. Guess how many times the word equality is mentioned? I don't know offhand. Zero. <laughs> I would guess zero, zero or once. Yeah, once or zero. No, exactly. No. It, it appears twice in the word inequality. Yeah. So what you have is that equity has become the functional opposite of equality. Equality is treating everybody impartially, treating everybody the same way. Equity means treating people differently in order that they may achieve the same outcomes. Mm-hmm. That is what you know, Vice uh, President, uh, President Biden's Vice President uh, Kamala Harris has said, and this is what equity means. This is why you have an executive order that mentions equity 21 times and equality zero. Wow, that's really saying something. And people really need to read the report. Now, this is over at the Heritage Foundation. I know people can find a link there to it. But you've talked about some of the threats to our American ideals. And, of course, you cover identity politics and communism and progressivism. But you also talk about the principles that can't be abolished and the task of national renewal. What would you say should be front burner, Mike, as far as Americans move? Moving forward in preserving American ideals. Well, I think that what and I wrote a book about this, by the way, the plot to change America, yep. uh, which is selling very well because of all the bad stuff that is happening. I'm sorry that it's selling well. I'm happy that it's selling well, but I'm sorry for the reason why. <laughs> um, uh, so there is a plot to change America. Uh, I think going forward, every time that America has faced a problem, whether it was slavery, whether it was uh, doing away with separate but equal with the, with the civil rights. It was by or the revolution itself. It was by trying to live up to all men are created equal. We're a country where we don't have a, a royal family. We don't have a, a, a the same ethnicity. We don't have the same national background. We do have shared ideals and principles. And by hewing to those ideals again, I think we can reunite the country. So I think everything that we can do to go back to our, our founding ideals that are found that the, the natural rights principles that are in the Constitution and the ideal that all that all men are created equal in the Declaration. I think that is a way going forward, and the more we can do to 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 sound that note, the better. Very good, Mike Gonzalez. Thanks for being here, Mike. Hi, this is Janet Mefford, here to tell you about the Ministry of Preborn. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. You just heard a real-life testimony from a woman whose life was changed by the Ministry of Preborn. You see, when a young woman considering abortion sees her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she almost always chooses life for her preborn baby. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. 
Preborn steps into the darkest corners and finds women in need to help them choose life. The mission of Preborn is to glorify Jesus Christ by equipping pregnancy centers nationwide to help save lives and impact moms and babies for the kingdom of God. Preborn leads the country in placing ultrasound machines and counseling women while also helping to lead them to saving faith in Jesus. In 2020 alone, over 31,000 babies were saved and over 7,000 women came to know the Lord. I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry. (laughs) I was certain I was going to keep my baby forever. Would you join with us at Janet Mefford today to help preborn help women choose life for 350 babies by the end of January? All gifts are tax deductible and 100% of your gift goes toward life. One ultrasound session costs $28. A gift of $140 will sponsor five ultrasounds. But any gift of any size will help. or maybe you could even help buy an ultrasound machine for $15,000. But whatever you can give will help. Call now, 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229. Again, call toll-free, 855-402-BABY, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. I want to return to the executive order king, President Biden. How long does he think he can go signing all these executive orders? Just on and on and on and on and on. You know, there's more to the presidency. We didn't elect you king. Not that you can elect a king, but it's just out of control. And honestly, when I think about the executive order thing, I don't like it, period. I don't like it when Republican presidents do it too often either. I just don't, because I think the way that our American governance is set up, there is supposed to be wrangling. There's supposed to be gridlock. Do you remember when they talked about this, when there there was a budget deal that couldn't get done? This has happened a number of times. And they say, oh, there's gridlock on Capitol Hill. Gridlock's the best thing that ever happened to us. When they're in gridlock, then they can't do anything horrible to us, folks. <laughs> gridlock is good. And there should be that kind of back and forth and wrangling and pushing back. That's the best thing for the country. The worst thing for the country is to have one party having a complete lockdown and the other side never gets any say whatsoever. That is not the American way. Although I might make an exception considering the left and where it's going. I don't think you should let the communists have equal time. But anyhow, I want to go back to one of these executive orders. We talked quite a bit before the election about this issue regarding the AFFH rule. And this is this regulation that would have empowered the Department of Housing and Urban Development to abolish single family zoning and compel the construction of high density stack and pack apartment buildings in residential neighborhoods. And it's all about forcibly transforming neighborhoods across America so they look and feel the way that far left ideologues and technocratic bureaucrats think they should. This was actually from a piece written in August back in uh, August of 2020 by President Trump and Ben Carson, who is the head of HUD. And they were warning about this. They were saying at the time, rightly so, that the left wants to declare war on the suburbs. You better believe they want to declare war on the suburbs. And here's the latest on this, because President Trump, just going back a little bit, they actually stopped that radical social engineering project. 
that Obama began. Now Biden's continuing it. So here's the latest from The Washington Times. President Biden has now taken steps to eliminate Trump administration housing rules that former President Trump said would save the suburbs from being abolished through affirmative action regulations. Biden's order directed the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development to examine the effects of the Trump rules imposed last summer during the presidential campaign that had rescinded the Obama era affirmatively furthering fair housing regulation of 2013. That is the affirmatively uh, furthering fair housing regulation, also known as AFFH, which I referenced earlier. On the campaign trail, Mr. Trump said his action would spare suburban communities from being overrun with low-income housing. He warned during a town hall meeting that Mr. Biden and his Democratic allies would abolish the suburbs if they won the election. He's right. He's right, just like he was right about fracking, just like he was right about jobs, just like he was right about Biden going after the Keystone Pipeline, which he's done. Everything Trump is saying that Biden would do. Biden's beginning to do. He's wasting no time. And you think he cares? He had a phone call with Putin and he was asked by a reporter. It might've been Peter Ducey. I can't recall if it was Peter Ducey or not, but he said, Hey, you had a phone call with Putin. What did you talk about? And Biden turns to him and he says, you (laughs) and walks out like, is this the dignity and the professionalism of the presidency? Now you, I mean, really? You can't ask about a president having a phone call with a Russian official, huh? That's kind of funny because it seems to me that you guys launched an entire impeachment trial against a president for his phone call with someone in that vicinity of the world. But we'll leave that aside for now. Mr. Trump at the time said they want to eliminate single family zoning, bringing who knows into your suburbs. So your communities will be unsafe and your housing values will go down. It was an update, by the way, to the Fair Housing Act of 1968 and required communities to fill out reports on barriers to fair housing in their jurisdictions. Acting HUD Secretary Matthew Ammons said Mr. Biden's executive order is a vital step toward redressing the federal government's legacy of housing discrimination and securing equal access to housing opportunity for all. Do you catch that word there? Securing equal access to housing opportunity for all. Now, think about what happened in 2008 when the left wanted anybody to be able to buy a house. Remember how that ended up? You didn't have to put 10% down uh, on your house. They they would let you buy your house because it was not fair that some people couldn't afford to buy a house. This is what happens when you start putting equity above equality of opportunity. It is a train wreck. It's a train wreck. Susan Rice, going back to this interview that she did on PBS with Judy Woodruff just recently, was asked about this particular situation. Here's what she said. Cut three. He instituted a very important housing regulation that will, or excuse me, uh, order that would lead to new housing regulations, quite likely, that would roll back what uh, Donald Trump did to try to prevent uh, full implementation of the Fair Housing Act. So there were many uh, actions today uh, combined with what he did last week, but this is not the end of what we intend to do. This is six days in. We have a great deal more to do on all aspects uh, of equity and justice. Oh, goody. Fantastic, because you haven't been doing enough bad things. Hold on to your hats, America. We're just getting started. It's almost like I could see Obama standing behind her 
kind of like the Edgar Bergen to her Charlie McCarthy. Maybe it's just in my mind, but it sure seems like Obama's third term, doesn't it? really seems like there's kind of a shadow president going on because I don't really believe that the president himself is completely all there. I, I just don't. I just don't think he's all there. He, he doesn't want to take questions from the press. He says odd things. He's very crabby. And he's just signing executive orders. They couldn't figure out how to put his pen in his coat and he got mad. And come on, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Of course, we did get the transgenders back in the military uh, from Biden. And this is interesting. This is interesting. Going back to Andrew Sullivan, he says Biden's executive order on LGBTQ plus is also taken directly from critical gender and queer theory. Take the trans question. Most decent people support laws that protect transgender people from discrimination, which after the Bostock decision is already the law of the land. Okay, many decent people don't support that. Not that you don't want to protect people from discrimination, but not the way the left actually defines it. I'll leave that aside for now because Andrew Sullivan has a, you know, a little bit of a... uh, in, an interest in this subject. But this is not enough for Biden. He takes the view that the law should go further and insist that trans women are absolutely indistinguishable from biological women, which erases any means of enforcing laws that defend biological women as a class. If your sex is merely what you say it is without any reference to biological reality, then it is no longer sex at all. It's gender, period. It's socially constructed all the way down. Right, Andrew? That's where your side is now. Women are erased. They're erased. They're not protected in women's shelters from men who may think they're women coming in and potentially attacking them after they already maybe went through a period of very intense abuse at the hands of a boyfriend or a husband. That's why they're there in the first place. You don't do that to women. You don't put little boys in locker rooms and restrooms with little girls or teenage girls or grown women for that matter. Go back and and go to your search engine. I'm not going to say Google anymore. I don't recommend that at all. But go to some good search engine and you can look at all the stories that have been reported over the last several years about Target alone and what went on in Target's pertaining to men doing nefarious things in the dressing rooms and taking pictures of women and on and on and on. We've covered this subject ad nauseum. It's just obvious. And I'm glad that he sees this, but he does say in a few areas, biology matters in a few areas. No, in all areas, biology matters. And let me just stress this. This is important for Christians to remember. Do you not understand? I know you do because you're smart, but do you not understand that when there is attack on male and female, it is an attack on God himself because male and female are created in his image. It's an attack on the image of God. That's fundamentally what's going on here. It is an act of rebellion. It is a fist in the air and it is a sneer on the face. And it is just this willingness, much like the fallen angel we all have to contend with and his one third of the other angels who fell with him way back when. Did God really say? Did God really say? Yes, God really said. That's why we read and we believe and we understand and we cling to the Word of God from beginning to end. By the way, we are so close to our goal of 350 babies, saving them. 
through the Ministry of Preborn. Please help if you can. $28 will pay for one free ultrasound session for a woman in a crisis pregnancy. Eight out of 10 of these women who are offered these ultrasounds choose life. 35 babies to go. Can you help us? All you need to do is call 855-402-BABY. 855-402-BABY or 855-402-2229 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. God bless you. Thank you so much for your help. We'll see you next time. 